The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Welcome to the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. We appreciate you guys for joining us, as always. I hope you're having a wonderful little start to your week here. Having a nice little October. My name is Sean Alshadi, and I'm here with the man, the king in the north. He is the prince of positivity. He is Alexander Kaylee, AK. What's going on, man? How are we doing today? Uh, we're feeling really good. I mean, uh, you know, there was a lot of an emotional come down from UFC 280. Uh, from an entertainment standpoint, it was a, a little bit mixed. I don't know if it was quite the the 10 out of 10 that I predicted it would be, but the top of the card left us with no shortage of talking points, and she, and most importantly, no shortage of rankings movement. And that's what we're here for. That's why we watch MMA. We just want to know what effect these fights will have on the MMA fighting global rankings. And uh, for better or for worse. Depending on your rooting interests, depending on your gambling interests, uh, it was uh, we definitely got some some notable results. So uh, I know Jed has already had his victory lap. Um, oh, the victory I, lap I, has uh, just begun. Yeah, I'm sure. I know. I, this is true. The lap has started. I should say. I shouldn't call the lap it's over. More like a parade um, than a lap. Yeah, that's <laughs> more accurate. Be going I feel. Yeah. All the way yeah. through the thoroughfare up downtown Main Street. It's gonna be great. We're gonna have a great time. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. I mean, we already we already got into it. This is as we already as you guys know, this is our monthly peek behind the curtains of the MMA fighting global rankings. And as AK alluded, it's been six weeks. It's been a hell of a crazy six weeks. We have rankings media going on over here. Lots of changes. Uh, but first, let's bring in the gang. The rest of this month's panel. You already heard from him. The legal eagle himself. The only man with a law degree on MMA fighting. He is the host of No Bets Barred. He is the host of Damn They Are Good. And again, he is a man who I just fully expect we're going to be sick of this victory lap for the next three months. We're going to be hearing about it. Jed Mishu, what's going on, man? 
Three months? What, are we expecting something to happen to Islam? This man's about to hold the belt for like five years, and I'm going to be right there cheerleading the whole way. Shotgun on the Islam Akachev, you know, fan bus. Let's go, baby. I'm excited. My man proved me right. Champion. It's all that needs to be said. Oh, God, I'm already sick of this. It's going to be a long stretch. Uh, also, bringing him in, he is the watch party king himself. He is the host of Peck of a Morning, the host of uh, On to the Next One, co-host, I should say. AK, he's your best friend in mine. He is Mike Heck. What's going on, man? How are we doing, guys? Jed, I, I just have a quick question for you. D is this victory lap bigger for you than the Juliana Pena victory lap? Because that was stunning, and it didn't make me sick at all. No. And that lap could continue on, but this one, I think, might get to people a little quicker than that one. <laughs> no, this one will be longer because, again, Makachev's going to have the belt forever. Uh, but it's not. It's certainly not as big because nobody was on Pena, and I didn't even really believe it. I just said it, and then believed it because I said it this one I just knew because if you ever watched this man fight it was very evident that he was better than everybody else in the world and a lot of people got there with me eventually and now we're all there unanimous top lightweight ladies and gentlemen couldn't be more excited <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you've been pushing the Makachev thing longer because I, I don't know how long you were predicting like Pena could beat uh, Nunes, I assume that was a fight week thing. Maybe you dabbled with it when no, the that fight was, was booked. That was a, that was was like a couple a of weeks before, right? A like couple of weeks before Makachev. on a BTL. Makachev, we're talking nine nine months. Literally the nine moment January. the January. moment Dustin Poirier lost to Charles Oliveira, Islam became his number one lightweight. I was outraged. I was outraged. And by the way, all the, all the flowers in the world to Jed Mishu. But let us say, he, was, he also predicted Poirier would beat Charles Oliveira. He also predicted Justin Gaethje would beat Charles Oliveira. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, he threw enough darts to the board and he eventually hit it. And, and it was a bullseye. Broken clocks and, run and twice a day, AK. It is. And I will say you were more, I feel like you were more confident about Makachev. Again, not just necessarily beating Oliveira, but like your argument that he is the best guy at lightweight. It wasn't just about like him beating Charles. You were like, no, no, this guy is the best guy. I was the most confident of that, yeah. for sure. Because again, you, I was, cause technically you, yeah, you, left, you put him over all those guys, so... Yeah, I was yeah. really confident that Poirier would beat Charles too, and I felt good about that for a round and a half, and then then it went bad. I felt good about this one the whole time, and then after the first round, I was like, "Yeah, this is done. <laughs> all right, cool. We've." I'm. I, I was a little nervous because that whole fight, all everything else I was talking about fight week, I was just. I missed I so many air balls yeah. this weekend. Let's not gloss over the fact that you had a really poor UFC 280. Really bad UFC 280. And so I was a little shook and I was like, I don't know. Because in my head, Piotr Jan is still a better fighter than Sean O'Malley. But I was wrong again. Like, maybe this is just what's going to happen. I Like, Islam's going to win for 23 minutes and then Charles is going to do a Charles thing. And then when they actually got in the cage, it was like, oh, I didn't need to be concerned. This is, the fight was not competitive. That fight was not like an, an absolute ass kicking, but it was not competitive <laughs> because Islam Akhachev doesn't have competitive fights. Well, so that's a great segue because, gentlemen, let's start here. Um, 
usually we start off these ranking shows where we kind of go around the horn. What was the standout story, the standout move for you this month? But this month, it feels very clear, very obvious. It's the man we've been talking about for the past few minutes now. We have a new number one lightweight in the world. The Islam Makachev era is upon us. And as we said, get used to it because it might be here for a while. He just demolished Charles Oliveira. Wasn't even close. Jumps from number three, which he was previous, all the way to the unanimous number one, as Jed said. And here's the thing. This is what has sat with me over the days since this fight, because I know we lionize Habib Nurmagomedov, and rightly so, right? One of the greatest careers we've ever seen, cut short, but ultimately what he did was so spectacular. But if you take, take a step back and you look, outside of just this one little blip in 2015, which I think was like Islam's second UFC fight, his run to the belt has basically been every bit as dominant as Habib's ever was. And it's been seven years long. So it's been a very sustained stretch. Jed, you pointed out this stat on Saturday and it blew me away. And it's all I've been thinking about since Charles Oliveira did the best of anyone in the UFC over seven years outside of that one knockout uh, against Islam. He landed more significant strikes on Makachev than anyone over the past seven years. And that sounds impressive until you realize that it means he just landed 19 strikes. And that was it. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. That is utterly ridiculous. And it's something that I feel like has flown under the radar because of how weird this road has been. But now, Mike, I mean, we're here. The Islam era is here. People were joking with me because I, I named my column Welcome to the Islam Makachev era. And people kept, oh, the Machida era it was so long, right? This feels different. This feels like one that's going to be sustainable. Who could possibly beat this man, Mike, in front of him? I don't know. And I think one of his more interesting tests is going to be his first actual title defense. At least that's what it appears right now against the number one pound for pound guy. And in Alexander Volkanovsky, hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. But like I said, heading into the fight, everything on paper told me that this is Islam Makachev's fight to lose. Like there, it, there's just no way that Charles Oliveira can win from a stylistic perspective. I thought a lot of the stats on Oliveira, some of the stylistic tendencies people kept throwing out about Oliveira were, were overblown, especially in this matchup. But to me, Charles Oliveira just defied logic the entire time. And the way I looked at it was, it was a complete vibes pick for me. It was until I see somebody beat this man, I'm just going to pick him every time. And lo and behold, here comes Islam Makachev had a great first round. And I knew Jed said he knew after the first round that this fight was kind of a wrap. I knew in probably the first 30 seconds, it was a wrap. The first exchange, yeah. you saw Oliveira's emotions just change. He was like, whoa, this guy strikes better than I ever gave him credit for. And he hits harder than I thought he was going to hit. And you could tell right there and then, like, I'm getting in desperation mode right now. Like, I have to. That's the only chance I have to win this fight. And he couldn't even get the chaos clause in, uh, evoked in this fight at all in any way. The most significant strike he landed in this fight was a freaking upkick off of his back. And if we go back and count those 19 strikes, I would say more than half of them were off of his back, whether they were elbows or just crazy upkicks trying to land stuff. That just shows you just how good this man is. So, Two things I took away from this. One is what you guys have been saying. Islam Akhchev, there's a chance he's going to be in this spot for an awful long time. And I don't know if there's anybody that could beat him. But the second thing to kind of answer your question, I can't wait for like the middle of 2025 when we see the rematch between Islam Makachev and Armand Sarukian for the UFC yes. lightweight title. Because that fight is going to rule. Because the first fight was great. And that was Sarukian's first UFC fight. Makachev clearly won, but Sarukian gave him a handful. Three years from now, and these two guys lock horns again, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like my most 
interesting fight to watch maybe of the entire decade if we're being honest because i can't wait to see it of course sarukian's got to get there but i'm confident he will i just don't know if anybody beats this guy and if it happens it's not going to be anytime soon I, i've realized that my kid's probably gonna be in middle school by the time islam makachev loses that title <laughs> so it's gonna be a long reign it's gonna be a fun reign. and by the way I- i'm glad we-, we talked about the reaction sean that you were getting oh, on social man. media because I'm, I'm sitting there on sunday sitting next to gc watches some football in New York. And I see this tweet about people coming out and saying Islam Makachev is a boring fighter. What in the blue hell are you talking about? This dude is like looking to finish every single second of these fights. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. The only B word I have is to you. Baloney. It's baloney. (laughs) That's the B word I have for you. So, but other than that, I mean, give this man his flowers, give this man his respect. He ain't boring. He's just damn good. And we're going to have to deal with it for a long time. I can make a case for him being boring. It's very oh, simple. No, you, uh, boring by dominant. Like, you're <laughs> yeah, boring exactly. by it's, proxy it's boring just being so dominant. You know that he's going to yeah. win because there's, cause the sure. man doesn't get hit. You can't hit him. <laughs> like, it's, it, how do you beat him if you can't hit him and you can't out grapple him? What do you do? Dude. What do you do? You lose. It's what you do. I was absolutely stunned because I, I, you know, you write your post fight column, you put it out there and then whatever, you check your mentions a few hours later. And I checked my mentions. It was just full of, oh, now it's going to be so boring. Oh, boring champ, boring champ. We're talking about a guy who has like five straight finishes in a row. Who's just out here. Like the Dagestani wrestling is not this lay in prey. And like people would say this with a beat. Dude, too. Samba rules. Yeah, man. Like that at no point are we watching like John Fitch out here with, with Habib or Islam or any of these guys. Like all this stuff is so silly to me it just reads as someone who's upset that charles lost or someone who maybe doesn't like islam or whatever uh but mike you did something there you, you slipped in a little something something in the middle of your, your your conversation there uh 2025 basically projecting outwards that islam's about to have the longest lightweight reign that we've ever seen and that ties into what i was about to ask ak because i mean the lightweight division is just notoriously volatile, right? Like it is one of the deepest divisions in sport, if not the single deepest. And all of the great lightweight champions we've had, you can go down the list. BJ Penn, RDA, Eddie Alvarez, Frankie Edgar, Benson Henderson, Charles Oliveira, Habib, like no matter who you want to do, no one has ever gotten past three title defenses. Because again, it's just too deep. It's very difficult. If you if you had to bet one way or another, are you with Mike on this? Is this a 2025, 2026 type of thing? Like, is Islam that guy? Or are we about to see the beginning of a historic run? Because all he needs is, is four to be the gr- most decorated lightweight champion we've ever seen. Yeah, let me let me go to our uh, incredibly intelligent readers and fans of MMAfighting.com first. Uh, part of our shakeup, uh, our shakeup article, which hopefully people read, uh, there's a poll at the bottom. How many successful title defenses will Islam Makachev have? Uh, zero to one, two to three breaks the record, but loses it eventually, or like Habib just retires without losing the title. Uh, pretty, pretty overwhelmingly the, 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 the uh, top two options, um, either breaks the record, um, uh, before losing or retires without losing the title, like 76%, uh, 42%, 42% say he'll break the record and and eventually lose 34% Habib style retires, doesn't lose the title. Maybe I don't agree. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was. I remember being a little surprised when Shaheen. I think you brought it up before uh, on some of the pre-fight stuff, or maybe it was on No Bets Bar. You guys brought it up as a group. I'm not sure that the record was three because when, when we heard about that for like um, you know heavyweight, like when Stipe broke it with like two three tile defenses, we weren't surprised. Like we we know we know heavyweight is so volatile. Um, lightweight, we kind there's a lot of like fighters we view as kind of being these 
great champions like BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar. Um, and, and yeah, they only had three defenses. Some of them were for kind of interesting reasons. BJ was kind of, you know, he dabbled in welterweight. Maybe he could have. It's all the same. I, it's all sneakily the same reason, AK, yeah, which right? is lightweight is too deep. And by the time yeah. you get like actually get to the title, you're yeah. not getting there like John Jones when he's 23 yeah. and still has upside. You're yeah, exactly. there when you're yeah. 31 years old. You have a small you. window and left you before you yeah, post prime hits. Yeah, and, before, and, and, before the next dude comes. <laughs> and to bring up that Dillashaw statistic that that I, I just could yeah. not get over that Sheen brought up for 280, like no one under 170 like has ever been an undisputed champion like for, uh, at uh, 36 and over or something like that. No, not um, even like Davidson is the oldest ever right now right. at 34. 34. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. Once you get it, it, you're just you know unless you're defending it two or three times a year you're just not going to be able to hold on to it for that long. And again, like I was saying, some of them dabbled in other weight classes. BJ That's went into Charles welterweight. Charles was sneakily going about things incredibly smartly, just trying to rattle off as many as you can because you yeah. ain't got a big window, baby, so get them in. <laughs> but uh, in my opinion, I'm just looking at my rankings. I don't think anyone in the top 15 right now beats him. Um, I kind of like Benil Dariush. I just want, maybe because I want him to get the title shot, fight. but he'd be a he'd be a minus after this performance, if he was if he was immediately next, he'd be, he'd like, be like minus, minus four hundred at least. Four hundred, right? I think Benio even Volkanovski, right would be a minus. Even Volkanovski would be like a minus two hundred. I think he'll be a serious underdog. My, Volkanovski um, is actually a minus four hundred already. Oh, already he opened as a minus four hundred. Size matters. Or I'm sorry, plus Islam opened as a minus four hundred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we're talking pound for pound. Then you can you can say Volkanovski's better than him all day, but I think when they actually step into the cage together, and you know we're talking about a practical, real thing that's happening, size matters, man. Size matters. Volkanovski might be the better, more skilled fighter. I don't know, um, but Makachev's definitely bigger. So that's a, any that's a whole. Can other I thing. derail us very quickly and just sure, absolutely, I, and then I'll kind of throw I, out I some dark, throw out some dark horses. You. Yeah, yeah. I just want to pull you all. Because we talked about it in the post show, and I get the vibe that a lot of people are like, well, Volk's probably one of his better challenges. It doesn't seem like anyone really thinks he's going to win based on the odds and AK's poll. I wouldn't watch the little tape because I was interested. I actually feel really confident that Islam will beat Volk. Like, Volk will not be, you know, totally dominated, but I think it's going to be a pretty clean win for Islam. And I just kind of want to see how you guys feel about your early thoughts on how that fight might shake out. I think I agree with you ultimately, like in terms of early thoughts, I haven't, I haven't thought too deep into it, but when that 400 line came out of Islam being that far of a favorite feels like that kind of feels right. Right. Like that kind of feels like an accurate line. I, I I would pick Islam pretty easily right now. And I have work as my number one pound for pound. Here's, here's, here's what I was thinking of. And my mind works in very strange ways. So allow me to take you back in my life about 30 years ago. So when I lived in Boston, we had a, we had a house, we would go on vacation in, in Maine. We'd go like once a year or a couple different times a year. And once it was like during the fall and they had, it was in Freiburg, Maine, this little farmer town. And they had a big fair there. And it was like one of my lifelong goals to be selected to join this little contest. It happened like once during the week where these little kids would run around in like 
try to catch these like super fast little baby piglets. Like they would run around like kids would just have to like pick them up. And if they got them, like they could sell them back to a farmer or whatever. It was, it was a weird thing. Like in hindsight, maybe not the coolest thing in the world, maybe a little animal subjection there. But at the same time, I was like, wow, these things are so fast. And these kids would be right on them and they'd have them tracked. And they were like big, small, didn't matter. And they would try to grab these pigs and the pig would just maneuver his way out of there, just intelligently defending himself. That's the <laughs> one thing I think it's interesting about this fight is that while Makachev is bigger and Makachev is a great athlete, I think Volkanovsky's going to have to play the greased pole, greased lightning game where he just Ooh. is so shifty in and out, where that Makachev yeah. is going to have a hard time getting a hold of him just because of the quickness and the in and out event. And now let me just tell you this. To say that Makachev is not going to get this man to the ground would be the most moronic statement I ever made into a live bike folks. <laughs> he is eventually going to get him down. But how long will it take? Will it will he be able to defend intelligently if Makachev gets hands on him? Like, but I think for a while, I think Volkanovsky's shiftiness could make this fight a little more interesting. And if he could score some some actual potent offense on this guy with the leg kicks and just be in and out and just be super fast. I think it makes the fight interesting. Like Volk's no idiot. He is going to know this man inside and out. Now, will that matter once the cage door locks and we go for 25 minutes potentially? Probably not. I'm still, I would pick Makachev to win, but I think this is a, like I said on the post fight show, I think this is a much more competitive and intriguing fight than the Oliveira one, but mostly for that reason, because Volkanovsky is a very good defensively sound fighter. He's very shifty. And he's very tough to get your hands on, whether it's in a grappling sense or a striking sense, even if you're in Islam Makachev. I think he will eventually do so, but I think he, I think he might struggle a little bit just to deal with the with the shiftiness and, and all of that stuff. So I think Volkanovsky, his fight IQ is going to be more, it's going to be more important than this fight than his actual like in-cage skill set. I agree. If I set the over-under at 2.5 defenses for, for Islam, so basically like he's going to tie the record if you go over are you going over or under? I'm going over. I think he's going to get more than 2.5. What about you, Jed? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm for sure going over. I, I think he's going to pretty, I think he's going to come just shy of dominating Volkanovsky. I think Mike laid out the way to go about it, but here's the, I think the thing that Islam doesn't get credit for, and not just Islam, like Habib never got credit for this. And I don't know who is doing it in that camp. I, do, I, I don't know whether it was Javier Mendez or Abdul Manap or, or it may just be Habib. They are so well scouted. Like they Absolutely. are so yeah. prepared. And like the first time it ever struck me was Poirier because Poirier tries to hit him, hit a switch on Habib and Habib is incredibly ready for it and rolls all the way through and ends up in Mount off of it. And does it a second time. Like they clearly have have set rules to live by in situations. And like you could just see, you could watch it in the Charles fight. Like they, I agree, Volkanovsky has great fight IQ. Islam and Habib and company are maybe the best at it that nobody gives credit for. So like I think he's gonna win that one. Theoretically, he's gonna fight Benil Dariush next, or I mean, he'll beat the hell out of the winner of Chandler uh Poirier if that's what's happening. I I have that one should be a, a walk for, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and then if he fights Benny Dariush, I think that I actually think Dariush is the most difficult fight for him at in lightweight. the next year. Yeah. At lightweight in the next year. Um, honestly, the big the question of whether he goes beyond, I think he'll get three defenses because they will think that that is an important number. 
he might not go for four because at that point, then we may see him try and pursue a second belt. Like maybe that's in the cards for him. So if you set the line at three and a half, I'd have a lot more trepidation just because that's also a lot of wins. Maybe he abandons the division. Two and a half, I, I'd feel pretty comfortable hitting that. What about you, AK? Let, let me, I'm going over two and a half for sure. I want to throw out some names there because like I like like Jed just said I agree I think if Poirier or Chandler fight him next that's just a resume builder it sounds so disrespectful to those guys but we just kind of know Poirier I mean we saw the Habib fight oh, it's just that's just real that's yeah, just, just real, real and, and Chandler I, I I mean Chandler's I guess kind of an X factor but I just don't see him beating Islam so outside of that I think then Chandler we, I think Chandler has a better chance of beating Habib than he than he did Islam because Habib okay. like they're think of them as similar fighters right but mm-hmm. Habib Habib is a better athlete, and as a result, he relied more on that, which created more opportunities for somebody to just get him with a piece of hyperviolence. Islam is a slightly worse athlete, and so is vastly more defensively responsible than Habib was. Like, I don't think Chandler can do anything to that man. All right, let, let me throw out some names here that we haven't brought up. Again, and now we got to look ahead. Let's say Makachev does two or three tail defenses, knocks off a lot of the usual suspects, knocks off Volkanovski, knocks off Dariush. Then we're really going like, holy hell, who the hell can beat this guy? So we've got to look it up in comers. I mean, hopefully at that uh, okay, point, we're you. looking at like Fiziev and stuff like that, right? That's what I'm, so that's the first name. Fiziev is also fun. What do you guys do? So just give a quick, give me a quick react. Fiziev. Fiziev's a really fun fight. Um, yeah. I, I still favor Islam ultimately. I, I favor Islam pretty heavily. Uh, because the way he scores takedowns, like Fazeev didn't stop RDA from engaging with him. Like RDA was still able to touch him. And mm-hmm. that is the problem. You cannot let Islam touch you because that's when the series of events turn bad for you. Uh, but broad strokes, I like the fight. 5-0 and in the UFC, 24-1 and pro record. Demir is Magulov. Give him two years. I think he, in two years, I think he is really, really interesting. I think very, so too. Very great, like great game all around. He's got a wicked jab, which I think is an important weapon if you're going to try and fight Islamakhev. I think Demir has a really good shot in a couple of years. I'll throw out a couple more if you uh, can get there. Jalen, <laughs> yeah, Turner. that's the it's thing is he's going to have a hell of a path to get to him. He's going to have a hell of a path to get there. Jalen Turner. I think Jalen Turner is washed, and I'm a big Jalen Turner guy. I Jalen Turner was the name I was looking at on mine, AK, where. He has the most to go. Like, I need to see the most evolution from him. Mm-hmm. But his sheer size yeah, and length. That's it. He's right. just so can, long and spindly. Can make him interesting. Yeah, that can make him interesting. But it's a I, sellable I, I fight. think I'm ultimately with. I mean, ultimately, it can make it interesting, but also it can make a giant target for Islam to get underneath and do his and thing. And then the last one, uh, and this was, I mean, this really was brought up. A long time ago, probably when they were first matched, really when they were first matched up, uh, Sarukian rematched somewhere down the road. That's fine. You already know how I feel about yeah, that. That's I love fun. that fight. I'm going to say, you think, yeah, I yeah. think I think that fight's just going to be fantastic. I think by, at that point, Sarukian will be ready to go. He'll be in his prime. He'll be, he, the lessons will be learned. I can't wait to watch him fight Ismagulov because a lot of the questions I have about him it's are really certainly going to be answered in that fight. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say one thing about the Jalen Turner thing. I'm going to take him off the board for this discussion for one reason. Both those guys are not all that active. So it's going to be like when Jed says it's going to be a a long road for Jalen to get to a title fight. I mean, it's going to be a long road if that fight happens. And I'm damn here for when it does. 
it might not even be at 155. Like if Islam yeah. goes up and wins the second belt, that's going to be a welterweight fight because how eventually, and I'm not going to question Jalen making the weight now, but a couple of years because he struggles to make 155 he's even giant. now. He's a giant human. Couple being. of years, yeah, I don't couple know years from now, I don't it. think he's going to be able to make it. He's just not going to. So maybe we see those two guys fight for the welterweight title down the line, and I'm here for that, man. That's just going to be that's compelling television. No, yeah, I'm with all of you guys. I think ultimately, I wrote this in my column on Sunday. I think this is going to be a record-breaking lightweight run, and I know that feels reactionary. And like a lot of people do this after every pay-per-view of, "Oh, this guy's the greatest we've ever seen." But like, I feel like I'm very measured with that stuff, and I don't throw that out willy-nilly. But this really just does feel like it's going to be something that we haven't seen before. You are much better about that than say me. Yes. Who's been saying he was going to do this since January. I try to be a little patient. Um, Just quickly, one last thing on the Islam, and then we're going to move on. Turning to the pound for pound aspect of this, because Islam shot up out of nowhere. It was Leon Edwards-esque, right? He comes into this fight unranked on our pound for pound rankings. He instantly slots in at number three, which is what Charles was before this fight. Charles drops to eight. AK, you and I had Islam at number six, and that was behind Volk, Izzy, Francis, Leon. You had Usman in there. I had Sterling in there. Mike, you have him at four behind Volk, Izzy, Francis, and Jed. Uh, of course, you you had him at one. Um, I feel like you're just proving a point or trying to do something with that. Uh, and again, yeah, this, is, this is despite the fact that you had Charles at number six going into that fight, but whatever. Uh, talk maybe. me through this, fellas, and where we ended up. There's number three in the world right now with basically one signature win. Does that feel right, or is that projection based on what we think he's going to do? Like, how, how do we end up here? A little bit of both. Um, I'll be honest, like when I was first doing this, he wasn't going to be, I immediately said, I think the first thing I typed in our Slack was that's the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Uh, and then I was going to walk it back cause it was just like, ah, to me, Israel Adesanya is still the best, like has the most accomplished resume of anyone in this discussion. Uh, but then I saw a rogue panelist also put Makachev at the top, and I was like, this has oh. been my corner. You two just emboldening each other constantly. <laughs> yeah. We can't, we was, can't put these, we, really you can't put those two kids in the class to next it. to each other. You can't, they're fine <laughs> yeah. on their own. They're fine on their own. You seat them next to each other. That's when the trouble begins. That's when the wet willies start, and then the throw in the paper at the other kids, yeah. and... I was originally going to have him at four, and then I saw a rogue panelist, and I was like, well, if I, how how would it look if me, if I, the Islam Makachev guy, was beaten in, in, in this regard? So uh, I think it's defensible because I'm just going to throw it out there, uh, and you guys can then come at me for a separate thing if you want to relitigate last ranking show. Uh, I think Islam Makachev would beat Leon Edwards if they fought. So I feel okay putting him at the top pound for pound spot right now. Like, Also, I thought I'd get more pushback. I saw some head nods coming from people on this call. So uh, I put him at one. That is entirely projection. And I kind of feel like him being at three on our total rankings. There's a lot of that energy in there. Yeah, it feels a bit he, high a little bit, to be honest. But also the same rogue panelists just aggressively disrespects Francis Ngannou, who's very clearly one of the top five pound for pound fighters in the world or whatever. So it all kind of levels out in the place that I'm comfortable with. I'm totally okay with him being three because it also makes the narrative of their pound for pound fight even more fun. One versus three. That's got to be the best we've had in the UFC, right? Like no, other John than John Jones, and John Cormier. Jones Cormier yeah, was other one than John too, and Cormier. It's, I will say I'll say this. Yeah. The rogue panelists 
is indefensible 95% of the time. <laughs> I will say this though, which is really interesting going back and, and looking at it. There are only two of us who even had Makachev in their pound for pound rankings before this fight. The rogue panelist had him at number nine. I had him. I had to put him in. I put him in at number 20. So him bumping from nine to one, not the craziest thing That's he's true. ever done. Jed didn't even have him on the pound for pound list, which is like wild to see. I was a kind of a shocking revelation to me, but I had to um, do points. Yeah, if, I threw yeah. the points out for this one. <laughs> I, but will I will also say, say, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the, I, I will also say that part of the fact, what factored in outside of everything I said is Leon Edwards is like very high up and deservedly for the win. But at the same time, that one, like it feels better to me to just boldly say Makachev's the best fighter in the world than to be like Leon Edwards is one of the five best fighters in the world or whatever, as opposed well, to he had a great performance, you know? But the thing is, those wins, both Makachev and Edwards are kind of in the same boat because what those wins did was capped off lengthy win streaks, right? Uh, Makachev was, what, 10 straight? So this was 11, I think 11 straight wins. And um, and also they Leon were both was, for people who desperately needed signature wins, right? Like that's yeah, sort of the crown exactly, jewel yeah. of it. Big, finish, big finishes, right? Uh, Leon was, uh, if you exclude the no contest, was like nine straight or something. And if you include the no contest, it was like three straight and then undefeated in the last nine or 10, however you want to add it. So it's kind of, it, 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 it just felt like a very dramatic course correction, but it doesn't feel that wrong. Like it feels like they did, did have strong resumes, but when it comes to pound for pound, we put a lot of emphasis on people who are champions. So we have to have all these champions on our list. Like, I guess that's what, how many, what, 10, how many divisions are in the UFC? 10? Oh, the men's, men's division, seven. Yeah. And you have to include, oh, eight, excuse me, eight, eight. Math is hard. And you have to include all eight of those guys, plus, you know, some of the number one contenders. So if there's one thing I like about the rogue panelist list is he's kind of uh, decided that he's favors uh, lighter weight classes. And that leads to uh, a list again, that doesn't necessarily have to have all these champions at such high positions, which is why his Makachev to a number one jump wasn't so dramatic. Again, it would have looked less strange if we had just had Makachev on there um, somewhere previously. And again, same story with Edwards. So I don't know. I don't know if we're seeing some kind of sea change in the, in the pound for pound rankings. Um, they're very fickle as it is. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having Makachev or Volkanovski number one. I'm an Izzy guy. I have Izzy number one. But if you're going Makachev, what you're if you you know if you're going by the pound for pound sort of the more abstract definition of it, you're saying you know heavyweight Makachev would beat heavyweight Ngannou. Um, featherweight Makachev would beat featherweight Volkanovski. And I think it's hard to argue against that. And, and so so there is a justification for it. Again, um, I, I have no problem with it. And again, pound for pound is just such a weird such a weird thing. Anyway. Yeah, gentlemen. I mean, just we, we talk about all the time the 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 fluidity within the sport, how quickly things can change. If you look this time last year at the pound for pound rankings, top five, you're looking at Kamaro Usman, Israel Asenia, Francis Ngannou, Dustin Poirier, Alexander Volkanovsky. And then you compare that to today, Volkanovsky, Izzy, Makachev, Edwards, Ngannou. A lot of parity for a top five in the entire sport. That's a that's a pretty significant change just over the course of a year. Dude, and and Volkanovski, I would, I think it's reasonable to argue he will not be in this list this time next year. Man's thirty four. It's really hard to stay on top in lower weight classes, as we previously established. Yeah, like it's very possible that one slips out. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. 
Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, speaking of where we ended up, let's now move on. Sugar Sean O'Malley and the Bantamweight Chaos, because right now, 135, 155, two best divisions in the sport. We already knew that, and they both took center stage in this ranking cycle. Uh, But so Sean O'Malley, I wouldn't say that MMA fighting has been disbelievers in Sean, uh, doubters in Sean. I don't know that anybody particularly has been outward in their approach of Sean doesn't deserve to be sort of among this group at bantamweight, but heading into UFC 280, not only was he unranked, he wasn't even a farf as AK likes to say, he wasn't a fighter also receiving votes. He was just not in anybody's top 15 entirely. And I think that speaks obviously to the depth of the class, but also fellas, it's a dawn of a new day. It's a new era. And y'all, I think I'm fairly sure I could be wrong, but Sean might have just made what is the biggest rankings jump in the history of this show, uh, because he went from unranked all the way to number two after his win over Piotr Jan at UFC 280. But it's funny the way this works out, because there's all this controversy around the decision. A lot of people obviously think Peter won and coincidentally, and it's a total coincidence. Sean O'Malley actually ends up locked in a dead heat points-wise in the way our internal scoring system is with Piotr Jan, a total tie. So they're both in the number two spot tied. AK, did we end up in the right place? Yeah, we definitely did. That's that's. I, I think I'm the only one. I think I have uh, O'Malley the highest because I just couldn't, you know, when someone has a spot like Piotr Jan, he has the number two spot in our rankings, um, then he loses. 
your options are either whoever beat them, you just give them that number two spot, bump them right up there, or you bump both guys down, and then you know you move a few, you move someone else, one person up there, two person up there, and then and that way you know it's not such a dramatic jump for a guy like O'Malley to suddenly go from unranked to number two, like oh maybe he should be number four, or number five, but but because of all the guys that Jan have beaten, my MMA math dictates that O'Malley has to go to number two. I'm I'm totally down, by the way, with the, the the dispute over the call. People can read robbery review. I don't think it's a robbery. However, I scored it for Jan. Everyone that made decisions scored it for Jan. But there's also a lot of comments from people in the media saying it was a close fight. Could have gone another way. I don't know. I don't want to get into that whole thing. MMAfighting.com, robbery review. Check it out. Um, but he, he certainly proved he's a top five guy at worst with the way he brought it to Jan. It was just an incredible performance. So to not have him uh, break through after that would, would have felt wrong. Uh, it, it almost would have been better for him in, in the eyes of the public if he had like lost a split decision. And then if anything, we would have had O'Malley haters coming out as going like, oh, he should he should be higher. You know, if he ended up instead at like four or five or six. Uh, if, if he hadn't beaten, gotten the decision, we would have had a lot of people going like, oh, how O'Malley went toe to toe with him. He's a top three guy. Now, I don't know. Now there's probably more people going like, ah, he still doesn't deserve to be ranked. He got gifted a decision. Um, I don't know. The whole discourse around it is is unsavory. I'm not a fan of it. It was an amazing fight. I hope people appreciate that. I hope when we look back on it, that's what we remember. I know that's not how it's going to be. That is not how MMA works. I understand. Uh, and and Jan was outstanding. It's a shame that uh, he has to take this loss in his record and has this weird now like one in three, some one in three record in his past four fights, something like that, which does not tell the story of Piotr Jan at all. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it at uh, having uh, O'Malley in the top three, tied for two. Can I make a request, Gene? Yes. Before we proceed with the segment, can we not mention someone's name? Uh, I, 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 a certain former uh, Olympian, not Olympian, certain Olymp Olympic gold medalist, uh, a, a former UFC <laughs> two division champion. I listened to the you post even fight alluding show, to him listen, made my heck almost it. storm off the set. I listened Wait, to the post why, fight show. Why were we going to bring never him seen, up? He's no, not right. I know you're right. He's not even a fighter. He's retired. Bringing him up. You are the I'm one bringing anybody up. Into I'm not bringing anybody up. I just this is the last. I'm bringing him up to not bring him up. If that makes sense. All right. So I don't want to. We we won't mention it. You I, are the only one well, that would have brought him. Okay, up. good. Then, then I'm glad that's how it is. I'm glad it was just me. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's. I never heard you guys. Your voices go higher on the US than on the UFC 280 post fight show. It was scary. It was scary how much we did not want to talk about this person and how much how how badly bungled the top of the uh, the bantamweight division has been. But I think we can talk about just that do, a little just more. Do the thing. Do the thing. Just do the damn thing. <laughs> just do the thing, yeah. Um, yeah, AK, you mentioned it. You have O'Malley at number two now, ahead of Piotrion, just behind Aljamain Sterling. Jed, just for transparency for the for the viewers, uh, you have him at number four behind Marlon Vera, Marab, and Aljo. Mike, you have him at number three behind Vera, Sterling. I have him at number five behind all those guys, as well as Corey Sanhagen. How do you deal with this? Because I think everyone on this call scored the fight for Piotr Jan. It's a weird fight. I was going to move Sean up regardless. If he had lost that fight by split decision, I was probably going to move him into my top 10 regardless. I kind of struggled with this a bit. And ultimately, I still put him below Piotr Jan uh, and a couple other guys in this division who I just feel like have done more. But I mean, how did you guys deal with this? How did you reckon with it? was. I mean, it, it was tough, but... It's mostly, I think Sean O'Malley might be the most divisive fighter in our rankings. Like, I think he's just one of those guys. And I think there's a reason that he wasn't even a Farb for a while. Because even though he technically has a win over Piotr Jan, and I will give him credit that he would have been probably in my top 10, even if the judges got this right, 
at least watching it live. Now, I don't think it's a robbery. I scored the first round for Sean O'Malley and I scored the third for Jan. And I'm still, I'm happy with the first round score because I think O'Malley did more damage. The third round, I want to go back and watch again because a lot of people seem to think that O'Malley won that round. So if I, if I'm as confident in the first round as everybody else is in the third round and scoring it for O'Malley, then to me, O'Malley wins. So I have to go back and watch it again. Having said that, even having O'Malley at three, it's really divisive because when you look at Jan and Sanhagen and Demolish Willie and other guys like that, you can go up the list and be like, I would pick this guy against this guy. I would pick this guy against this guy. I'd pick Piotr Jan to be this dude, this dude, this dude, this dude. For Sean O'Malley, I think that, I mean, you can make a compelling case against with just about anybody in these rankings that he could lose to all of them. Even Danny Sabs, like I could, Danny Sabatella could beat Sean O'Malley in a fight. Like, and I would, I don't know if I would pick him, but I would, uh, there's a chance I would pick him to win that fight. Like I think Ricky Simone beats Sean O'Malley in a fight. I think Patchy Mix beats him. I think a lot of these guys beat him. Jan, I don't have like that same feeling with. So just seeing him at number three is just so weird to me right now. But I think he deserves the spot. Like his performance was incredible. I think he answered a ton of questions in the process. This was Again, this was kind of a house money fight, but if he got the doors blown off him by Piotr Jan, it was devastating for him. I thought it was really bad for him, but he went in there. That first round was great. The second round was insane. And then heading into the third round, I'm like, no matter what happens here, Sean O'Malley's stock has risen tremendously. Even if he goes out and gets leg kicked and finished in the third, like he's good. He has earned his spot as a top 10 Bantamweight in my opinion, but he gets the win. He gave Piotr Jan fits and no matter how you scored it, this guy belongs. He absolutely belongs in this ranking spot. He's earned it. So to me, just giving him the win, I didn't think it was a robbery. I thought Jan won, but I'm not like screaming robbery. I was happy putting him in number three. I think he deserves the spot and let's see what he does with it. The, the divisiveness with this guy over the next year or so is going to be just the best to watch and listen to on this particular program. Yeah, I... Uh... I have some questions about some of y'all's rankings and Ooh, I won't. All right. Mainly my big question is, is just one of process because I don't I honestly have any real big issues uh, with how you guys treated it, except for the couple of people who were just like, I don't know, purely on still, still going to be above Sean O'Malley in my rankings. All right. Do your thing. Uh, AK, I, I will come to you with this since you have, have O'Malley too. Again, I understand the logic to it. But in your explanation, you basically pointed to he he beat Jan and and I uh, fair. My question is, how is Marlon Vera, who beat O'Malley, more convincingly, much more convincingly, and not that long ago? Like, how is he not above O'Malley in your rankings? Yeah, there 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 is an MMA math equation that certainly you could put Vera uh, ahead of O'Malley, but that was two years ago. And they've both been pretty active since. I think they both fought five times since. Yeah, both fought five times since. Um, Vera has a loss. I mean, it's a, it's a loss to Jose Aldo. No shame in that. But I mean, again, uh, it, 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 it is the distance from that fight. I, I don't think that fight's controversial either. I think Vera is the one who caused whatever, you know, leg foot injury that uh, that O'Malley had in that fight. So it's a legit win for, for Marlon. It's, it's one of the reasons I think also Marlon is, is ranked so high aside from the other great wins that he has. Um, but that again, they've both done a lot since then. There's enough of a body of work to kind of separate both fighters from that fight. Uh, and in that case, I think I think Sean's done enough. His resume, obviously, not quite as strong, but 
that yawn when just just puts it over the top split split or not you know however you want to however you want to terminate uh, i i consider it legit and so i kept it simple and i just slotted them in there i'm i'm never gonna agree with you but at this point it it, it is what it is it's it's fine and it's not unreasonable because you know you win a big fight you should get rewarded it is it's just such a bizarre case study right because i can't remember a similar one to this degree where like we have had such a diverse set of opinions where some people are like you said putting them at number two i think Guillerme also did steven also did i have them at number six like and it feels like anywhere within that spectrum isn't super Whoa. crazy Weren't we pretty similar when Pena upset Nunes? And it was like, what the hell do we do with this woman in the pound for pound conversation? Not divisionally, certainly, but sure. she she walked up pound for pound <laughs> real hard with that one. Sure, but I feel like pound for pound is such a nebulous thing, right? Like it's so it, yeah, it's it's, in, it's inherent for those type of d- arguments to sort of come from. But divisions usually are much more solid. So I don't know. It's just such a it's such a a bizarre case study. Again, I will say one other thing um, before we move on, Jed, I hope you don't mind me revealing this, but this was one other little sidebar at Bantamweight that made me chuckle when I saw it. Uh, F them. Okay. With that, I don't, I don't think you mind me revealing this. So TJ Dillashaw ends up falling from number three before this fight to number seven uh, after a very one-sided loss to Aljamain Sterling. Obviously he was injured. That's not a huge surprise to see TJ fall like that. I think a lot of us dropped him a few spots uh, in his recent resume. I've said this for a while is is very lacking, so it makes sense. But no one played a bigger part in that drop from three to seven than you. He was number three for you before UFC 280, and now he is not number seven, he's not number 10, he's not number 12, he is number 15. He is the very last spot in our bantamweight. Can you please explain this? It's about sending a message, Sean. And he is lucky that he has a number next to his name whatsoever because that is, it's just some low-class trash, man. And there ain't no other way to get around it or say it. You know what? He couldn't beat me in a fist fight tomorrow because he doesn't have one arm. (laughs) You can't do that. That's not how you do things. And he knew that going into that fight. And this isn't even about the Jose Aldo angle that we covered extensively in the post show. Go listen to that on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. It's great podcast network. He knew since April and he decided to do this for entirely selfish reasons. And it resulted in us getting a, a fake fight. Like that fight was not a real fight. Uh, he had a 0% chance to win. People wasted money watching that fight. We wasted all our time, wasted our energy. And it's I'm, I'm punishing him for him. Since his he was suspended and two years gone, and since then, he fake won a fight with Corey Sandhagen that I don't think anyone on the call thinks he won. And he, he fake fought Aljamain Sterling. Like, that's, you don't get good things for you. I shouldn't even rank him. I only did because I thought you guys might be mad if I just dropped him entirely. So it's like, you can have 15 and learn. Like, learn <laughs> something, man. Make better choices in life. It's not that hard. <laughs> I think it was Casey on our post fight show or maybe afterwards when we were just all talking who said like ranking 15 is basically the tipping someone a dollar at the restaurant. It is so much more offensive than not tipping at all. It's the acknowledgement that, yes, I'm supposed to tip you, but you did such a poor job. I'm giving you one dollar. He deserves if you start your post fight interview with I'm sorry and it's not like the well, I'm sorry, fans, I didn't give a better showing, but like an actual legitimate 
Yeah, my bad, guys. You're not sorry. You knew what you were doing the whole time. You had six months to be like, I'm not going to do this because I clearly can't win a fist fight against Aljamain friggin' Sterling with one arm. You get get the hell out of here, man. Like I, you deserve a 15 ranking. You all should have done it. Yeah, these, these he's he now has two of the most meaningless apologies in MMA history. He apologized for cheating. It's like no, you apologized because you got caught. You don't care that you don't get, you, you you didn't apologize. You didn't feel bad about cheating. You got caught. You got caught. So then you and then you came out. You got ahead of it for I guess good PR purposes and just like oh yeah, so I'm relinquishing the belt. Sorry, sorry everyone. Sorry everyone. I disappointed. I'm like what? The, we don't. Sorry, okay. I boned the bantamweight division two yeah. times now. And like, now this, yeah, what an ass. I wish I actually, Jed, I wish I had, you will not be attacked now. You will be supported now. Yeah. I wish I had the hot spot to either not rank him at all or like, or do the $1 tip, the slap in the face. Because if you look at, I mean, again, if people, if you don't think he won that Corey Sandigan fight now, again, for me, people know I'm pretty rigid about sticking to, Oh, guy won. We just mentioned with O'Malley, you win a split decision. You're, you're I counted as a full win, whatever, barring some super egregious robbery, which some people did think one, the O'Malley one was, and also, that the Dillashaw Sandhagen one was again. I, I'm very, I'm very. Uh, it takes a lot for me to call somebody a robbery, so I was fine with putting Dillashaw ahead of Sandhagen. But if you're not, he has not won a fight since August 28. He has not convincingly won a fight since August 2018, and that was in this kind of pointless two fight series with Cody Garbrandt. I don't know how many points you want to give him for knocking out Cody Garbrandt twice. Um, you know, it's unfair to dis- wins aged poorly, really badly. It, and it's unfair to dissect that way. I always say you can do that with everyone's resumes if you go back far enough. Uh, Cody was obviously the champion the first time they fought, still a top five, top three bantamweight when they fought the second time. So it was a really good win at the time. But this was four years ago. Cody Grabran is very far from any rankings at this point. Um, then there's a loss to Hudo. Again, Sandhagen, very close fight, and now a loss to So no convincing victories in four years. Uh, we, Listen, I, I like to give people a lot of respect for the past accomplishments, but I don't know how many big wins he has ahead of him. So None. he's probably going to end right. Right? I don't know. Like, so let, let's be that's the other part of this. So we're not. <laughs> we don't need to get into. He is yeah. like as a man who has had to have my shoulder reconstructed for the exact same thing. He <laughs> is looking at a year until he fights again, most yeah. likely. At which point, Sean, your previous point of him being 36 in a division where you age like milk, he going to be 37 coming off multiple reconstructive surgeries. 37 going on 38. Yeah, like. pushing 38 with a shoulder that will never be the same because mine hasn't been either. Like it's, he, he ain't getting big wins. Like maybe he beats Dominic Cruz because that's a rematch they can book in a year and a half's time or whatever. He ain't getting any more big wins. This man is only dropping in the rankings from now on. And, and the division is only getting more like stronger, deeper. Uh, and so and so it's funny because I'm probably just going to have to keep sort of dropping him down as the over the next six, eight months as other fighters accomplish things and actually compete instead, and are not out. You could just put him at 15 I, now right, and we shortcut everything, right now. buddy. I got to think about it for next month. So <laughs> it, it felt right when I saw him that low. And actually was accident on one of I won't name names on one of our panelists. They actually took him off by accident. I thought it was on purpose. I respected I th- the take. And I <laughs> thought nothing. I did not think it was an accident. When I was Just totally <laughs> when yeah. I was totally this up on, on Sunday, all the rankings numbers. Yeah, I put I put that out there on our slack. And, and I yeah. if if that guy would have said, yeah, no, that's on purpose. I would have very much respected the take. I'm. She knows I'm the first one when, when we double check the numbers and double check everyone's uh, ballots. I'm the, always quick to go like, oh, Sheen, I'm pretty sure. Oh, there's an accident. Like they left this guy off. You know, when I saw that he wasn't on this one ballot, I was like, 
I think that's on purpose. And I think that's okay. Like, again, just based on everything we just mentioned, he doesn't have a convincing win in four years. And, and, uh, and man, going in there and just that waste of a title fight, so disturbing to watch. And as Jed said, knowing he, I don't know who, who he's going to beat in the rankings again in his current condition. So why not just drop him now? I don't know. I, I chickened out. He, he is so lucky that that wasn't the main event. Yeah, that's Sorry, very I, true. Yeah. No, that's true. And I can't put myself in this person's shoes because I mean, if they were, if I could, the shoes are tremendous. They're fantastic shoes. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I would, I would guess that that was a mistake and that, but he is, I would guess that this, this panelist that shall not be named has TJ Dillashaw on a very, very, very short leash and expects TJ Dillashaw to take on just an up and coming murderer, like a Ricky Simone next who will probably beat him. And then Dillashaw probably out of this person's rankings, but I can't speak for this person. That's just what I think he's thinking right now. You seem, you seem to know a lot about what this person, this unnamed person is thinking. I've learned a lot about, um, like human psychology and body oh, language oh, okay. over the last, okay. oh, well, since Saturday. Cause I learned a lot <laughs> about it on Saturday. <laughs> Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's move on, fellas. One other, the last sort of big result from the cycle, big result of this past weekend. We look towards the welterweights and our man Bilal Muhammad. Because on Sunday, I called him the single most disrespected title contender in MMA. And I stand by that. And to illustrate what I mean, this is a stat I threw out on Saturday. I'm going to throw it out again. If you put together a hypothetical, remember the name parlay of each of his past three wins. You're looking at Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, and now Sean Brady. $100 bet. 1400 almost $1,500 is what it would have netted you. No one believes in this guy. He's always the underdog. And to, to speak to that, he came into this week for us, ranked number six. Goes out, scores the biggest win of his career, gets the standing KO over Sean Brady, topples the undefeated guy, literally no one in the world, was picking him to beat. I didn't see a single person pick him below. Ends up winning. And then today, what does he get for that? Uh, you look at our rankings, he is still number six. I could not believe this when I saw the really? when I did the math. I could not believe this uh, once it all came together. Mike, you had him at number five in the division. AK, you had him at number six. And Jed, you had him all the way at number seven in the welterweight division. I had him at number yeah. four, just behind Leon Usman Hamzat. Number six he for Bilal Muhammad. In my rankings. Mike, is this disrespectful or not? Because to me, this feels like it's starting to become very disrespectful. I don't know if I'd go dis disrespectful. I, I I still think it's a significant leap for what this man did in, in a lot of ways because <laughs> no I, leap I, I at mean, all, listen, no movement at all. 
I mean, I'm just judging by like my rankings because I put him in the top five and he was not in my top five before this. I, I put him above Gilbert Burns. It was not that way before. I had Shafgat Rachmanov ranked above him. I had lots of guys ranked above Bilal Muhammad. So I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself that that win had a, had a big impact in my eyes. And I even tweeted out on Saturday that with all the storylines that came out of UFC 280, no one needed that performance more than Bilal Muhammad did. I mean, what a what a showing he had. Not only did he beat Sean Brady, which is huge, but he went out there and finished the man. And the disrespect that this guy probably had heading into this fight, I think he, his stock rose more than anybody's, and that includes Sean O'Malley's. Like, Sean had a lot of questions, but Bilal's stock, I mean, it is like heaped with positive praise. This was incredible. This is an incredible performance. And I can't wait to see who they book him with next. Cause I think him and Shamayev would be really interesting. And every fight he has moving forward is all in. Like he is all in on all of these fights because he has to be, he has to do what Leon Edwards did better because Leon was just kind of the last man standing and you just had to give him a title shot. And I think Bilal is it's going to be a long ways away before he's the last man standing in all of this. So him beating a Gilbert or him being, beating a Shamai, like if he beats Shamsa Shamai, if he's fighting for the title, there's no doubt about it. Like if they book that fight, if he beats Gilbert Burns, I still don't know if that's going to be enough. Like, I think he needs the Shamaya fight so badly because of what you said. But in my eyes, this guy made, even though O'Malley made the biggest jump numbers wise, Bilal Muhammad, at least in my heart, uh, made the biggest leap in terms of talent and being like, all right, this dude is not just like a really solid fighter. He's really good. And he's going to give problems to a lot of these guys in this division. So while the whole community as a whole may not have, uh, be all in on below and I'm not all in on this guy, but that dude impressed the hell out of me. And as I was thinking about the card Saturday night before I fell asleep, I just couldn't get it out of my head. How good he looked in that fight. That second round, just putting it to Sean Brady it was amazing. It was an amazing performance from this guy. So can I throw out something? Because I've been noticing. So I mean, this is a conversation that AK brought up and it's one I very much want to have just a blind test. I just want to throw it out blind. Obviously, we know the sport. It's not going to be blind. You're going to know exactly who I'm talking about when I say it. But just if you didn't know who these people were, these resumes, just over the so two different resumes over the past two years. One, the first, the first gentleman. <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing. The first gentleman has fought six times in the past two years. He is five and zero oh with one no contest. His best wins over the course of whatever run he's on right now are Sean Brady, Vicente Luque, Stephen Thompson. All right. The other person has fought two per, two times in the past two years. He is one and one. His best win uh, for really his whole UFC career is maybe a washed Jorge Masvidal, um, maybe like RDA four years ago. Um, it's been four years since he beat anyone not on a two fight losing streak. Why do we give so much credit to the second person and refuse to drop him below anybody who is currently active fighting legitimate people, no matter what happens, like no matter what the result is for anyone else, we refuse to move anybody above Colby Covington. And it is starting to just become very, very odd to me because I was the only one this cycle who put Bilal above Colby. And for some reason, that is a crazy, crazy place to get to for everybody else. And I just don't understand it. It's not yeah, crazy. It, it, it sucks. No, it's it it sucks, uh, and I think we'll touch upon this a little bit, Shaheen, no, later do it. in the let's show. Do it now. Just no, we'll do it now. Okay. <laughs> to, to, to answer the broader question at the top about Bilal, I just couldn't move him up because I need him to beat someone in front of him. Who has now, Colby beaten? To, 
Well, and, well no, no, and this leads to your question is, if he can, if, if a guy like Colby Covington, who's ahead of him, is not going to take fights, how can Muhammad take his spot? Like, it's almost unfair, right? It creates it creates a super unfair scenario where Muhammad and Muhammad already uh, fought Edwards. and It was no contest, but it's going to be a while, I think, uh, before that one gets booked again. Unless, again, because Edwards is the champion now. So Muhammad has to get a title shot to, to get in. That, that, that fight just can't just randomly be made now. Um, Usman, I don't think that fight's going to happen. And then uh, Shemaev is the one we all think is going to happen. So he has the chance to move up now. But you're right. You're right. What, what is it fair that he's had to fight all these other people just because until now, it's it seemed really unlikely that he was going to get one of these top five names. Um, I, I, I don't really have a defense for it. I think we give Covington a lot of points for two competitive losses to Kamar Usman. That's been a real point of contention for a long time, not just now. I think uh, since since Covington has been sort of stuck in the top three, I guess he's fallen out now, but wasn't the top three for a long time, is how much credit do you give someone for competitive losses? And I think we were more than happy to do it longest time. But now, yes, we have names like uh, Muhammad coming up. We have names like Shafka Rachmanov coming up. Jeff Neal's uh, fighting Shafka. You know, we'll, we'll see if he wins. Doesn't he deserve to be ranked above a Colby Covington just based on activity, him him along with Muhammad and some of these other names. So, uh, yeah, I understand the frustration. Kind of like what I said with uh, TJ Dillashaw. Maybe I'm, that my rankings are due for a massive reshuffling just based on activity, based on how long is it going to be till we see Covington uh, and some of these other names that have been inactive. Uh, fighting again but i will just say that for now for now i want to believe muhammad will get a ranked a top five opponent sooner rather than later and this discussion will this whole discussion will be will be moved that was thoroughly unsatisfying i, I gotta say as a defense well too long didn't read was just that he hasn't beaten a guy ranked ahead of him that's it that, neither that's, has colby it's, it's, colby has literally fought only people on losing streaks for he beat, years th those guys were ranked high except highly for when a, he beat title them. fights that he lost no, but Damian Maya was top five, I think, when he beat him, I'm pretty sure. Uh, RDA, I don't know if he was. I'm pretty sure Damian Maya was. was. for an interim belt, so yes. Yeah, right. So he did, those were top those five were guys when he beat Those were four years them. ago. I know, but Bilal doesn't even have that anywhere. Sean, Sean, I don't know if you have been listening to AK, but Marlon Vera beating Sean O'Malley two years ago, that's not good enough. <laughs> but Colby's wins four years ago over Damian Maya. Those stand the test of time, buddy. I mean, I, do you guys understand I'm sorry, where AK, I'm coming I from? I should have supported you. Do you guys you understand where I'm coming from? And it's also about how busy they've been since that fight happened. Uh, you, the math isn't as, as clean as you're, you you want it to be, Jed. I mean, the, the, the amount of fights they've had in between, <laughs> the, 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 magnitude, the magnitude of the names, the magnitude of the names matters. Uh, I will say to, to defend you, Shaheen, I, I agree in principle. I considered dropping Colby precipitously that's the thing for me like if i'm gonna drop colby he's gonna go to like 15 because he's not doing anything um it's gonna be one of those which i think is justified but as i've said a bunch on this show previously like the first thing i look at when ranking is head to head like actual ordering of of fights that have occurred and so that's why leon's above kamar usman he actually beat him very very recently and the next thing after that is if they don't have that how, who do I think would win? And I still would pick Colby to beat Bilal, but I think it's entirely justified to punish Colby for his inactivity. I chose not to do it this time, but a couple more months of him being like fully on the shelf, I'm very willing to just be like, eh, F this dude. This should be a reflection of what's going on in the world right now. Okay. Let 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 me come in and try. I'm going to attempt to play devil's advocate if I could. I would love because that. Please. Here's the thing. 
where Bilal is right now and where Bilal has been for the last couple of years, guess who else was there for a long time? It was Colby Covington. The guy could not get a fight. No one would fight this dude on the way up. Leon. No, same. Leon. I mean, Le- yeah, but Leon just also didn't was fight. in the same place. Yeah, Leon just didn't fight. Like he had chances to fight for the belt, which a lot of people forget he didn't do it, and that's fine. Like he made the choice to not fight for the title in July. He made choices to not fight certain guys. Yes, he said yes to fighting Hamzat Shemaev. Yes, he fought Nate Diaz. They gave him a lot of these big fights. Colby was in a. Colby was at a tough spot, man. Like he's talked a lot about the Dung Hun Kim fight. Like that was like the only top 15 guy that would fight this guy on the way up. Then he got the Damian Maya fight and he kind of changed his personality. Got the RDA fight, got the Robbie Lawler fight. But like, it's not like these are just the guys that he got for a long time. Then he fought Usman and then he really dove into this personality. Like he should have fought Tyron Woodley for the frigging title before Kamaru Usman did. Like, let's just put that out there. That fight should have been there before Camaro got there and he didn't yeah, get but- that fight because Woodley, I mean, for some reason, Woodley just because of Woodley, cause it's out there, they couldn't get this whole thing done for some odd reason. And then he ended up fighting Usman instead and got absolutely bolted. And we got two really competitive fights with Colby in, in Camaro in the process, which I'm fine with. Plus the Mazadal fight. A lot of people bring this up like, Oh, he's only fighting Mazadal. Do we do we all forget that they had two title fights booked on that card and then they shifted the whole thing to April because of injuries and all this different stuff? So, like, we needed to put a main event in this spot in relatively short notice. And that's the fight they came up with. The biggest possible fight that they could get in, like, less than two months notice. This was the one. So it's not like Colby was like, I'm only fu- I'm not fighting anybody unless it's Jorge Mazadal. They called these dudes up and said, hey, we need you to fight. Like, we need you to get this main event in for us. And that's what happened. And Colby beat him like most people expected him to. So what's Colby going to do now? He's in the midst of something a little bit crazy right now. We don't know what's going on. This guy hasn't said a word. We don't know what's going on with Colby with this whole situation. There's It's in writing. You go on, like, the website in, the, in Miami-Dade County to see that this attack alleged attack from Jorge Mazadal has caused brain injuries and stuff like that. And data white coming out and saying that, Oh, I've talked to Colby. He's ready to fight right now. Like he wants to fight before the end of the year. But how do we know that? Like, we don't know this at all. So I'm willing to give Colby a little bit of a pass right now. One, because he's been in the same place that Bilal Muhammad is in right now. He's been there and has had to work for it. What he had to do to get to where he's at right now. Bilal just didn't make that same decision. And Bilal is letting his fists do the talking for him, which I dig. The other thing is, Bilal has not done himself any favors on the microphone at so all. That's he the has, thing. So that's he's crushed himself. He's crushed himself. He'd have great performances. And then everybody on Twitter is like, please, Bilal, call out Hamza Shemaev. It's right there. It was a week removed from Shemaev versus Burns. And he goes out there and beats Vicente Luque. We're like, go all in on Hamza Shemaev. And what does he do? He calls for Usman and Covington. What the hell are you doing? Who is advising you to make these call outs? You know what Bilal needs? You know what Bilal has always needed? And I, it wasn't as bad on Saturday because he went down a terrible road, still wasn't was able good. to come back. It still wasn't great. Well, you know what he needs? Habib Nurmagomedov shouldn't just be the coach. He shouldn't be the guy in his corner. It's pro he wrestling like, hey, manager. Habib. Yeah. yeah. Hand the mic to Habib because guess what? When Habib is doing post-fight Habib, interviews, Habib he makes things that, happen. Though. He quote unquote does the thing. He would have done the thing for Bilal Muhammad in that situation as well. So 
it's it's a combination of things, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Colby's been in the same situation. He took a different road than Bilal has taken. And maybe Bilal, two years from now, we're having this conversation. He will benefit from it a lot more than Colby did. But I'm not willing to take a guy out who just fought in March, who just happened to help the UFC out of a bind, because most people forget that they had two title fights on this card, that they had to shift to April because Max Holloway was hurt and all these other things that were happening along the way. So they just shifted both title fights to Jacksonville, which left this pay-per-view with no main event. So they called these two guys to fight. So I don't I don't really put this fight into the conversation right now between him and Mazadal because no one expected it to happen in the first place at that time. Mike, be honest with me. If if the UFC called Colby tomorrow and said, hey, we're going to give you Shavkat or hey, we're going to give you whoever, whoever one of these younger guys, do you think he would say yes? To Shavkat? Probably not because what's the point? The, the risk the reward point is not is there. At some point, Listen, you have no. to fight someone relevant, right? I mean, look, I mean, Colby... Cole, if they called him to fight Maybe Hamza Shamayev right now, he would fight him. I, I'm convinced, and I've been saying this since day one. If he, if they called him and said fight Hamza, he would say yes. He would fight Hamza Shamayev. If Rachmanov goes in there and kills Jeff Neal and then wins like another big fight with somebody in the top ten. Maybe he would take it. I don't know. But he Shavkat hasn't gotten there yet. Like this is prize fighting. And Colby, while it took a weird road, he has put himself in a place where he won prize fighting. Like, look at look at the resume that you sure. just run off. In a way, he has won the prize fighting game. He's taking on the biggest names for the most amount of money for the fights he's probably going to win. Sure. And some of those things have fallen on Kudos. his lap. Yeah. And let's not forget, he gave the guy who everyone thought was the best fighter in the world two very, very difficult fights. But again, in that's... Fact, a lot of people thought he won the second fight against Usman. So... Did they... And I think... Who, who are these people? What are we talking about? What was MMA Fighting's official scorecard on that fight, Jed? Was it I not no Usman? Idea. You scored it for... MMA Fighting's official stance was for Colby Covington, if memory serves me correctly. Oh, that's I don't a bad score. That's card. true, but I'm willing to believe it. I I score all types of weird things when I'm live blogging. It's really tough to get the score down. Shaheen, I will say this. You've convinced me. If I could go back right now and change my rankings, I go. would. And I maybe feel, I feel you good didn't about convince that. me. It actually maybe more was was Mike convincing me by saying he's won prize fighting because I agree. But when you play that game, you don't get to live in the rankings game. You're playing, that's I'm going to fight Hori Masaral. He just that's fought okay. in that's March, good, dude. Good, yeah, but that's a good business choice, but it's not a good ranking choice. And so I'm, Shaheen, you've convinced me I'm going to drop him. I'm probably going to throw him down pretty low just because, like, <laughs> you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, and do something about it, man. Like, fight, fight somebody for real because you just trying to cherry pick the good fights is a good business strategy. I'm not here to argue that, but I'm not, we don't have to support that. That's not our job to make That's them ultimately to where I their come lives from, yeah. for being that way. Like fight the dudes that are cool and I'm willing to do it. So you've convinced me, Sheen. That's I'm good. I, I feel good about think, that. At least I feel good about I think that. At least. I think we have to start calling you the bad tipper of rankings. That's what we're going to do. That'll be your your calling card is the not dropping guys out, but I'm like a great send, tipper sending in real a message. Life. I want to be sure extremely clear about this. The rankings. I worked in I worked in of the course. food service industry for a really long time. I never course. tip less than twenty percent. But um, Colby Covington, do something that matters. He's and about to get. A, he's about to find can, a, a shiny toonie. 
He's about to find a shiny toonie on his on his bill on his receipt. Talk about a loony, baby! Don't <laughs> come on. Let, let me ask you a question though. What if? Because Dana White has said that if he had his druthers, we're gonna do Colby versus Hamzat in in England. If Colby signs the line and we see a poster that says this fight's happening, what will your reaction be? Will you still feel the same way? I'll feel. I mean, I'm, if, I'll be I'll happy that, that he's once taking he a makes fight. the walk. I'm not. I don't. I don't give you credit for signing up for shit. You got to make it to the cage. If he makes it and fights him and gives a good accounting, then we can reconsider. Like whether win or lose, if he goes out and shows that he's still got gas to him, great. But like, we are. We're also f- forgetting that he very, very obviously beat Hori Masvidal. Masvidal put him on on stunted legs there for a hot minute in the fourth round. Like that's, and I don't think much of Masvidal as a welterweight. So like, I'm he still didn't win the round though. Yeah, I mean, I need to see I Shaheen. You've got me. I need to see him doing something because honestly, like TJ Dillashaw, (laughs) he doesn't have a relevant win in a lifetime. And I don't know. He's old. Maybe he sucks now. Who knows if he fights Hamza. I'm there for it. I'll watch the hell out of it. And he maybe beats him, but show me something. I guess all I say, like I say all of this just out of frustration for guys like Bilal, because if Bilal had purple hair or if Bilal had a cool Russian accent and cool taglines, he would absolutely be a top three, top four guy in any of these rankings. And the fact that he doesn't, and he's just who he is. And therefore some people don't like him. You know, maybe doesn't have that personality. You're shaking your head, Mike, but you absolutely know that. I don't true. agree. Because no, I, don't I don't agree, agree with you. I'm with, I'm, I'm I don't with agree Mike. either. Yeah, I'm, I am. Oh, that's not true. If you don't think if, if he Muhammad, had a gimmick or he was a little more popular, no, then no. he would not be ahead he of these. He has rankings. a gimmick. No. He's just a shitty one. That's not. That's not <laughs> yes. the same. That's not the same. Is what I'm saying. I agree if because Blom- he chose the stupid thing. Be better at your job. Not everybody has. That's- not everybody's that person with that personality. He is though, but he is because Col- after he Colby made, after he that says person either Colby manifested no, but Colby the found stupidest a niche. gimmick in the world and it worked. Colby found a Find niche. Find your yeah. own niche. Find your own one. Make an effort, baby. Try Bilal- or be Leon Edwards's for whole life. That's on you. If, if Bilal Muhammad got on the microphone in April and said, Hamza Shemaev, we're fighting, dude. Like with the live microphone in his face, he probably would have fought Hamza Shemaev right now. But instead, he made terrible call outs. And then he goes on the interview circuit and says, oh, I want to fight Hamza Shemaev. But when the moment counted, you didn't call him out. Like, how are we supposed to believe anything you say at that point? Like oh, when the Mike. lights are shine bright upon you, call for the man and you probably would have got it. Or Mike, when he has just got the best win of his career, and Hamza Shumayev is literally cage side and trying to fight other people, including his friends, <laughs> he can come in the cage yes. instead. Yes. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov begins to freaking fight him because you won't even call him by name. For all the people who are tuning in and don't know who the hell you're talking about when you say, I don't know, I'll fight at 179. Cool. The internet dudes know who you're talking about. That's not who matters. Be better at this, man. It's Why does that hard. matter for rankings, though? This is the no, one place where that no, no, should no, no. not matter. You have to make I, me no. care. Make me no, care. I, 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 That's listen, how you I'll get the bigger stuff. fights. That, but we're not talking about what we're saying, though. I, like, why does that matter for rankings, though? Just yeah, like ostensibly that, rankings no, should be. Should I'll answer not, that. Okay. Yeah. I will answer that. I, I will put all that stuff aside, though. That, that, all that stuff was 100% correct. Um, again, he doesn't have a win over a current top five guy. He just doesn't. He doesn't he's have a win Colby. over a top five guy. Again, That's w- but when he beat, the, when he beat Damian Maia and when he beat RDA, 
he was in the top five when he beat those guys. That that's a that's a fact. That's a fact. Bilal has never been a top five guy. You can go back one year, you can go two years, three years, four years. You can go back as long. You can you can because count the top Bilal's five in the welterweight class doesn't fight down. And that's when fine. Colby that, was and, coming and up, the top five would fight I know, down, and that sucks. And that sucks. That sucks for Bilal. But that doesn't mean that we can we can just assume things and put him in the top five. He also up until before UFC 280 didn't have that like a super exciting signature performance like avenging the Luke loss was great dominating wonder boy is great all that stuff was great these just were not memorable statement like highlight real statement wins it sucks it sucks it, it shouldn't be that way that should like that's why hamzat is above him he has a better resume than hamzat well hamzat should be hamzat, i have him above him too sure sure but he has oh, a better so resume than, you like, believe he should be above no because be hamzat no alan has a good point that's huge yeah. and he also that's be that's why that's really why but plus the he has all these moments we can project so much but law just doesn't have those so i understand why people just don't view him as a top five guy he's clearly a top 10 guy he has multiple relevant top 10 wins convincing top 10 wins no question he's number six you said right that's where he belongs that's kind of where he belongs. he needs it's it sucks one of those top five guys should fight him i think he will finally get one and that's why like again this discussion will become strictly theoretical uh or sorry no longer be theoretical it'll be a practical discussion if he wins or loses um but until that happens six is the right place for him okay well sean not not to take your job away from you but it sounds like you may have colby in this segment that you've listed on the show notes for what we're supposed to finish well, with. So that was what I was going to transition to, which is let's now close with this because I don't think this is an isolated incident, right? Like the, the issue of squatting on rankings is something that we've talked about on post shows, pre shows on onto the next one, just in general, this has been a conversation that we've had over the past year or two um, of, of, you know, a lot of divisions where it's the reason why Islam took seven years to get a shot, right? Guys who do not want to fight downward and essentially squat on their rankings and then just fight sort of one or two above or below. And they just kind of cycle within each other. And then the young guys never get their shot. Welterweight's full of them. We've already established it. AK, when you threw me this segment idea, I thought it was brilliant. Who are the worst squatters at this point? <laughs> who are the worst offenders out there? Because there's a lot of options for you guys. I don't want to go first. The worst squatters. You, you do or don't? I have I have two names. One of them extremely on brand. One of them, I guess, is now on brand, and you guys will call me an asshole for So I'm not sure I should lead... <laughs> With mine, I'll give you my first one though, since nobody else feels is is jumping for joy. Uh, it is one uh, Iron Mike Chandler, who is currently holding down the number six lightweight spot. For one, I have been extremely vocal that lightweight's full of people who need to uh, actually fight some people and stop just squatting their rankings. Instead, Michael Chandler is going to be fighting Dustin Poirier. That's two offenders, but I chose Michael Chandler because Dustin Poirier deserved his rankings um, by beating good people, whereas Michael Chandler punted washed-ass Tony Ferguson that I want to be extremely clear. You all still had ranked highly. I did not because he's old and washed, but Michael Chandler punting him to the moon and then uh, knocking out Dan Hooker, who's you know, a fine guy, but he's Dan Hooker. He's not a top, top dude. And instead he's gotten worked in his two losses. So he is the worst defender uh, by far for me. Cause he shouldn't be this ranked highly ranked in general. And he certainly shouldn't be able to sit on this ranking when 
ballers like Matush Gamrot and Armin Saruki and Jalen Turner and Demir Ishmagulov, like those guys coming up. Rafael Fazeev even, like fuck on that. That's the worst in my book. <laughs> well, it's it's a shame we didn't do this last month instead of this month because, Jed, you would have had a really easy choice for the worst squatter. Uh, but unfortunately, he, he passed our threshold, our current threshold for uh, inclusion in the rankings because so Stipe... God bless him. More power to him. Again, if you can take time off, just be healthy. Also not get walled for me. Yeah. No, again, and I'm sure you, again, if we had not removed him. So if people don't know, uh, Stipe Miocic has not competed in 18 months. I don't think he's even had a booking, like no, a rumored or targeted booking. Clearly in violation of our rules. So Stipe Miocic is gone. You guys will see that uh, in our rankings when you go check it out on the site. There's no Stipe pound for pound. There's no Stipe at heavyweight. But boy, he was there for a long time. He's been there since he, he's, he was holding on to a top five heavyweight spot, even after losing uh, the, the rematch with Nganu. So uh, that that really was the definition of a squatter. Uh, and again, it, I, I love that Stipe, you know, can take the time off. Um, he's, he's up there in age. He should only be taking huge money fights now. He shouldn't be taking random like Tai Tuivasa or like Curtis Blades fights. Like those are big fights, but they're not John Jones. They're not a Ngannou trilogy about that's this kind of stuff you should be targeting. Um, but that is really the definition of squatting. And uh, there has fortunately been a lot of movement in heavyweight anyway, even without him fighting. But um, there could have been another like top five spot available uh, if he hadn't been sitting there for, for, for a while. I'll I'll transition by asking. We love this guy, but uh, Justin Gaethje. He's a bit oh. of a squatter, right? He's, he's well, a squatter. Sure. Lightweight. Lightweight in for general. Sure. Light, the whole yeah. lightweight, lightweight top right five. now is, is yeah. full of guys who either want to fight for the title, uh, fight amongst each other, or chase Connor for the big money fight. And uh, and it's what's funny because it's three of them, right? It's Dustin, Gaethje, Chandler, all of whom are excellent people, all of whom are extraordinarily exciting fighters. There's like, a real fan chance Oliveira becomes that too off he this absolutely loss. Might. I'm not, we can't say he is, but like... We can't rule it out. Real, uh, can't very, rule it out. very plausible that that becomes a thing. The funny thing is you look at all three of those guys the only top 15 currently win between all of them i believe there might be i might be missing one but i'm pretty sure the only top 15 win between all of them is tony ferguson uh and that all of their everyone else they've fought and beat in the ufc are like outside of the top 15 now retired in another division or just straight up or themselves yeah yeah or, the, or yeah, themselves yeah. it's it's a rough scene at 155 right now yeah i mean it's it's those guys Holy it's hard shit Whoa! I just saw that we still have Tony Ferguson ranked. Come on, people! That's well, my new answer. What the shit are we doing? <laughs> but he's but he's not a squatter. He's not squatting on rankings. He's holding so. a number. He hasn't won in the since the Reagan administration. But he's been what fighting. Are we but, doing? He's been fight. but he's been fighting. He's been he's been getting his ass whooped like a man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he has not been squatting on his spot. He's been taking beatings. That I respect. <laughs> You know what, AK? Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Mike, yeah. you were gonna say something. Good answer. No, it's it, it is lightweight though. It, it's it, it's those guys. And squatting is I don't know. It's an interesting term because there are certain cases that like I blame the fighter. Like there's evidence out there that tells me it's the fighters just squatting and. Some of it's just the UFC just can't let these dudes go and like put them in these marquee matchups and like even even offer it to them. Now, I know there's like rumors that Gaethje and Fazeev were offered to fight each other. I know for a fact that that's not true because one, Gaethje is not fighting this year. The dude had like really gnarly nose surgery. So he's not fighting till like 
if we're lucky, the first quarter of 2023. That's where he's at right now. And he knows he's at the end of his rope right now. Like, if they offered him Fazee for, like, the London card, I think he would take it. Like, I think he would take that fight. But when he does these interviews, like, he's very genuine about himself. Like, he's... Like if he, they offered him physique, I think he would take it. But if, if he has his druthers, if he's like, who do I want to fight? Well, I want to try to get to the title. So if they're leaving it up to me, then I'll take either at this point, he would fight Charles Oliveira again. Cause he said, I want the loser of the main event when who wouldn't want to see those two guys fight again. Cause I would watch the shit out of that. If they fought again. And then he said, maybe the Dariush fight, like he would fight Benil Dariush or go fight Dustin Poirier, or Michael Chandler, like in a rematch. Like if he if Chandler beats, the problem is if Dustin Poirier beats Michael Chandler, we know where we're going with this. We're doing Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. So we almost, Jed, and I hate you here, need to, that, that, that you have to hear this. We almost <laughs> need Michael Chandler to beat Dustin Poirier in this, in this conversation. No, not. Does we that really help anything not. though? I mean, if, if, if Michael Chandler Mike, wins, they're going to run his ass in against, uh, Islam. uh, against Islam. And that's the thing we need. Maybe. The least. So what, what I'm hoping for is that, and, and, and we talked about this on Saturday as well, this Volkanovsky thing could, could, and I'm hoping it does breathe a little fresh air into this. Like we, we have a new face, at least in the conversation when there's a title fight and there's a poster, it's not Chandler or Connor or Poirier or Gaethje. It's two relatively fresh faces on the poster with Islam Makachev and Alexander Volkanovsky. And who knows, maybe this opens the door for some change. Maybe these guys need to take, maybe these guys need to get on a zoom chat with Max Holloway because Max Holloway is going to be sitting on his ranking for a long time, but he's Max Holloway will literally, though. but he's actually yeah, exactly fighting dudes. Though. Yeah. He's actually fighting dudes and he's going to be fighting everybody now. Like this is not going to be like, he's not going to be squatting on a ranking to fight for the belt. Like he just wants to fight dudes. He wants to, he wants tough fights. It's not about the title. It's not about any of that. These guys are just, Oh, it's all about the title. And of course, when you get in the sport, that's what it's all about. But Max Holloway has become the anti of all of this. Like he's found ways to be relevant, be a star and make a bunch of money without having a title attached to him. I think these guys need to talk to Max and say, Hey, how are you doing this? Because Max Holloway is relevant in every single conversation, whether or not his next fight is for the title or not. People just want to watch Max Holloway do things. And I think these guys need to take some lessons from that guy. So, I have two more names that haven't been mentioned. Uh, I'll throw the first one out because I think it's incredibly defensible uh, based on basically his comments. Uh, and it's yeah, Rodriguez. I know that he has fought, but like he has basically said, I don't want to fight Josh Emmett. I would like a title fight, please. Uh, <laughs> which is the, I would say, textbook definition of squatting. Um, and that might work out for him historically. It actually had, might. Yeah. Like, I mean, it worked out for Leon, kind of. It worked out for Tyron Woodley back in the day. Like, it, it does. There's a history of the success there. Here's Definitely. the one that you guys are going to excoriate me for. And I'm not saying it's true right this moment, though you can make the argument it is. It's certainly going to be true over the next six months to a year. Oh, my. It's UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky, who is not going to be Whoa. defending his belt because he is pursuing a second title. Also, as I've made mention a million times, he has fought Max three times. And the other top, not even a top five guy in our rankings, Brian Ortega six, 
And then Korean Zombie, who's number 10. The Zombie one, obviously, circumstances were a little different for that one. This man is not fighting back, certainly not with the frequency with which when he became champion, he was like, I don't want to fight Max again. I give me fresh contenders. Let's do it. That went away very quickly. He fought one and a half. We'll call it two fresh contenders. Fought Max three times. And now he's like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd like to go fight a much lower stakes fight because... For whatever you think, it is an, it is an oh imminently gosh. lower stakes fight for him to fight Islamakachev. The risk-reward math there is dramatically different than him defending his belt against Yair Rodriguez or Josh Emmett or, or Arnold Allen, if Arnold Allen wins this up. Like, so maybe you can, make, you can make the argument right now just because of the things he has said and his directed intent. But it's going to be pretty lame, honestly, if they do this in Perth and he loses and will honestly win or lose. If he wins, he's not coming back to featherweight. So he might just hold the belt to pretend for a year. And if he loses, then he'll go back. But he won't defend the featherweight belt for probably a full year, like just based on how timelines are going to work out here. And that's crappy. It's not the best thing. The look of disappointment on Mike Heck's face when you said Alexander Volkanovsky's name, it's like you kicked his dog. I was watching this the whole time. It was very interesting. The champion has a responsibility it's to defend the belt. Okay. Drop, well, your, drop your belt and go up to lightweight. He, had, he fought go twice ahead, in three months and had two of the all-time greatest title defenses in the history of the UFC in both of those fights. The past so is for cowards. I, I don't okay. the past. You live in the I past, mean, literally, you die in the past, Mike Heck. Then he got hurt, and now he's given this opportunity to be the backup in the in the lightweight title fight. What's he supposed to say? No, F you, because Jed will be mad at me that I'm going to be squatting my ranking. Now, no, here's again, the thing, though. This isn't, here's, a, this isn't a thing. It's not a me saying he's doing the wrong thing, but the okay. choice he is making is, is a business-great one. It's actively a little lame I, in this regard for everybody. I else don't in this agree with you though. I don't agree with you. And this is the issue Volkanovsky has had over the years. And he said it a million times and guess what? He ain't wrong because with all of these situations that Volkanovsky has said, I want fresh contenders. I want somebody to emerge. I want this. Who has? Nobody has. Nobody has emerged. Every time they get put in a situation to emerge, one of two things happen. They either get the shit kicked out of them a la Calvin Cater by Max Holloway, or there's a gross split decision that is wrongly scored and that this guy can't even get the flowers to get a title fight because no one thought he won the friggin' fight to begin with. Or we have someone just saying just horribly dumb things like Yaya Rodriguez, because if Yaya Rodriguez said, look, I just want to, the, the quickest path to Volkanovsky is fighting Josh Emmett for an interim title. Then if those two dudes just fought, like ostensibly, we know who Alexander Volkanovsky's next opponent is. Cause this is a legit number one contender fight. You want to slap an interim title on it. You have the champion's blessing do an interim title. He's telling you to do it. But Yair's like, nah, I'm going to wait. I'll wait four years for Alexander Volkanovsky. My next fight's against this guy. Like what a stupid thing to say. Volkanovsky well, I, I don't completely disagree with you, Jed. Like, if you want to make this case, like, I'm happy to listen to it. But of all champions and all divisions, the one dude that, like, has a case here is Volkanovsky because no one has emerged in this division. And every time we have a fight where somebody can, something bad happens. We're looking at it right now. We're looking at this division right now in the same way. Bryce Mitchell, Mavzar of Loya were supposed to headline November 5th. That is a guy, winner of that fight, 
holy shit, they get a big jump up, maybe a win away. That is going to wet Volkanovsky's whistle watching those two guys fight. Avloyev gets hurt. Fight is off. Ilya Teporia was supposed to fight Edson Barboza. Ilya Teporia goes out there and does what most of us expected he would do, and that is just destroy Edson Barboza. Volkanovsky's like, all right, here we go. And now we have to wait till December because Bryce Mitchell is getting ready to fight Ilya Teporia in December. And also, Calvin Cater's fighting Arnold Allen. What if now if Arnold Allen goes out there and just bolts Calvin Cater. I mean, just runs him over, finishes him impressively, leaves him in a, in a puddle of his own blood. Volkanovsky is going to have something to say about that because at least Arnold Allen has emerged. But the problem with Arnold Allen is he could emerge, but we also might not see him yeah. for another 18 months. Cause this dude is a walking injury, man. So it's just, it's just tough for this guy to fight and, and make these claims and stick to them because no one has done it. Now you're just, he just, no one has done it. Here's my rebuttal to you, Mike. You said one thing that really I think is the crux of it. That's going to wet Volk's whistle. I don't give a shit about your whistle, dude. Defend your belt. Like you, everything you said, I agree with in, in a lot of ways, but the, the reality here is nobody stepped up and, and, and made a claim. Like it doesn't matter, dude, just fight somebody. Did everybody Anderson Silva fought was a dynamite title challenger. No, he <laughs> coming at Volk for that feels very misguided though. If anybody that's a UFC champion right now, like Volk's been really active. He has been active this year, but my point, again, my point was not that it was necessarily true at this exact moment sure, I understand because he has from. fought twice. I understand where you're coming from. But the idea that it's everybody else's fault, sure. Also, Volk can just choose a challenger because Adesanya did that with Jared Cannonier. <laughs> Jared Kennedy was just like, he's like, I want to fight that dude. And it took a lot of trickery from the UFC to make that fight happen. And then it happened. But that's not what Volk wanted. And again, I'm not saying he should turn down the Islam thing. I'm just saying that when he hasn't defended his belt in over a year, and because here's here's the outcome that's going to happen. Arnold Allen goes out and beats Calvin Cater. And we've got Evloyev, Ev uh, uh, who who Mitchell is that the he's one that's out, happening? He's out. Mitchell Taporia oh, now is in Mitch, December. Mitchell Taporia, great fight. Because Volk's, these are all great fights, and because Volk's going to be out for a year, we're still not going to have a dude who's made himself. We're going to have like four dudes. When instead he could have just been like, you know what, buck on it. Like he could have come out of that that third fight with Max and said, you know what, I'm down to fight Yair. Great performance last one. Or he could have said, I'm down to fight Josh Emmett. And instead he said, I want to fight for the lightweight belt. And I do not begrudge him that from a business and career standpoint. But to pretend as if that is not, at least to some degree, an active choice on his part to do a thing other than defend his title, that is, I, I firmly disagree. Like he is making a choice here not to just say, next man up is Yair. Let's do it, baby. But when you have the promotion saying, yeah, Alex, I love that idea. We're going to make it happen. That's a whole yeah. different ballgame. Volk like, feels they like just the said, wrong guy to nah, come dude. out for this. Yeah, but I, understand, I, I, understand. I don't agree. That. I, I understand I love, what you're yeah. forecasting. But yeah, that's a conversation for you. For you. Volk, a future squatter call. Yeah. A future squatter call. And if Volk gets like <laughs> injured in prep for Makachev or because he's 34, just like blows out his knee or breaks his hand. And then he's gone for a year after that fight. And now suddenly the featherweight division probably the third best division in the sport hasn't had a legit title defense in 18 months because we did this a lot. I'll be clear. A lot of this isn't specific to Volk. It's 
doing divisional interdivisional title fights is really, really stupid and I hate it. And that's just like you have a division, defend it or abandon it and go up. And that's totally cool. But I come, let's talk about in 18 months when we still don't have a featherweight belt that's been defended and everyone's going to kind of be like, yeah, this sort of sucks a little bit. Man, the guy, he's guy hasn't even done anything. He's already getting your rat. He's just, he's like this lovely, handsome vagrant walking down the street. He's got his bindle on. He's not even, he's not stopped yet. He's still moving. You've got this nice property there that's not being used. And you're already kind of eyeing him and being like, hey, move it along, buddy. Move it. No, not here. You're not, you're not settling in down here. Move it along. He hasn't even done anything yet. You don't know. He's a friendly hobo. I agree. He hasn't done anything yet, but I, I, the writing on the wall is coming, y'all. Either way, he's not defending it. And if he wins, it's going to be worse because he's going to hold the belt and pretend. He is going to have two belts and do the Connor thing where until the UFC just says, dude, we can't have this fake thing anymore, you're clearly not going back to featherweight. So well, we're going right. to take that title when, from when you. When you said featherweight, when you said featherweight, I thought you were going to say featherweight and bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes. That's where I thought you were going because I don't know when we're going to see her fight again. And I mean, she's I mean, been. That's well, if there was a real featherweight division, then maybe that would be a valid right. complaint. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not She's wrong, got a weird case, but it's just to just to put a bow on this because I did not expect this to go on a ten yeah. minute. Can I Alexander Volkanovski rant. Yeah. Yes, please. Say something positive too. Shout outs to the divisions that do keep things moving. Shout outs totally. to my ladies in the women's flyweight division. People can say what they want about Shevchenko being at the top and like if that removes intrigue from the division. But those ladies fight each other. Those women's flyweights do not hold on to their spots. They just they just sign up. They fight each other. They all want to get a shot or another shot at Shevchenko. Jessica Andrade is fighting in two weight classes. She doesn't care. She fights back all the time. She fights people who are like five, six, seven, eight like spots in the rankings behind her. It's incredible. So sh- shout out to my one twenty fivers. By the way, we we with the correct answer if we're talking a champion, and I don't care because I love all the fights. It's Davis and Figueredo. That's the correct answer. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's, that's probably very, the that's, best answer. That's very reasonable as well. I don't have any issues with that one. Just to circle back around to where we started, I think you all know my answer is obviously Colby Covington, who man who has fought <laughs> once a year, every year since he became Colby Covington, and uh, some several of those fights he fought were twice very, in three months. What win? You talking about the well, November? Months, to, I'm sorry, November to March. She fought twice in less than four months. Again, that was against Jorge Masvidal. Whatever. Oh, and let's uh, we, let's bring it back all the way full circle. Let's bring it back all the way full circle. Shout out to Islam Makachev who jumped over who jumped over several squatters. Yes, to take it to And now there you go. He did, maybe he gets to defend against them. Maybe he doesn't. Doesn't matter. We already continue consider him higher ranked and better than a lot of those guys. So squatting doesn't always pay off, guys. Listen to AK. Listen to AK. And let's end on that. Uh, This has been a a rollicking edition of the Ranking Show. We appreciate all of you guys for joining us. Uh, We are back next time in the middle of November. going to be right after UFC 281. Uh, Adesanya Pereira. Should be a good one, fellas. I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, please keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. We keep bringing the goods. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, For Mike Heck, for Jed Mishu, that man is AK Lee. I am Sean Oshadi. We see you next month. We love you guys. Thank you so much. I did not expect a uh, 30 minute Alexander Volkanovsky sucks for I'm not gonna lie. Blindsided. Again, it's not Don't go after second belt. John Jones has done nothing good in life, but the one good thing he did is just like, yeah, fuck this title up and leave I'll go up to his way and Send your fucking belt, man. Send your fucking belt.
The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.